All right. Yeah, that is uh, always an epic bumper. Uh, Mark and I were making that video, and we're like, what, should, what music should we use? And he just instantly thought of Darth Vader and Star Wars. So that's how we decided that. But uh, welcome to Movement Church. My name is Josh. If you don't know me, I'm the Creative Arts Director here at Movement Church. And Mark has been gone the past couple weeks, so he's asked me to speak twice, which I don't know why he's letting me do that. But anyway, I'm here. And um, he has actually been on vacation, and I actually have a picture of him. And I don't know if you guys know this, but the, the Island Association asked if he could, they could use this picture for their brochure. And I don't know if it's because of his cute kids or the boldness, or should I say baldness, that he brings as he demonstrates his lifestyle there on uh, Bald Head Island. But I just had to keep the bald-headed jokes going because Don did such a good job last week with Mark. He is our pastor, bald and all. Anyway, um, speaking of Mark, I actually have to read to you a letter that he wrote for us this morning to you guys because he misses you guys so much. So he wrote this little letter thinking of you um, because he misses you. So I'm going to read this for you. And he told me if I didn't read this, he'd fire me. So I'm kind of locked into reading this, even though I don't want to read this. But anyway, here we go. It says... I'm sorry I couldn't be with you today. Our family has had a wonderful week on vacation at the beach in North Carolina. Since I'm involved in the planning of teaching, I know where you're headed today in week three of Antiheroes of the Bible. I'm excited for you to learn from the story and example of Samson and the strongest man who ever lived. I had hoped to have had the strongest man in movement church teach today, but in case you forgot, I'm on vacation. The good news is that my 24-inch Hulk Hogan biceps will be back in super tan next week. So in light of my absence, I've asked Josh Howard, our creative arts director, and those toothpicks he calls arms to teach today. They just keep on coming. Yes, I'm being sarcastic, and yes, I couldn't help but highlight the irony of asking the most buff guy in our church to teach on the story of Samson. So please do two things for me today. Number one, Tease Josh about the size of his forearms. And number two, be open to do what God wants to teach us today as we open up the Bibles and read about him. So I love you and I miss you and I'll see you all next week. Well, so that's his letter. And in my defense, I think there's been one guy at Movement Church who's kind of flown underneath the radar about how buff he is. And he's sitting back along the wall back there in his blue pants. He is pretty large. So he even, he even just flexed for you as he saluted. So anyway, um, it kind of goes with the par for the course as we, as we meet at church here at an actual gym. So we've got, got a lot of good-looking guys here. Um, anyway, so we are in our last week here at um, Movement Church for the, the series of the anti-heroes of the Bible. And this series has just been cool to highlight some of these ordinary guys that God has called to um, do great things. And, but ultimately, God is our hero. And ultimately, we, we, we fail him day in and day out. And, and these guys weren't confident in that. And these guys struggled with sin. And these guys um, had excuses. And, and these guys had weaknesses. But God used those weaknesses for um, his good and made them strong because of their weaknesses. So yeah, that's what Mark talked about. Two weeks ago, he talked about how we need to identify the weaknesses in our lives so that we can then allow God to use those weaknesses and make us strong so that he can carry us out and, and use us according to his purpose. And then last week, Don talked about 
When God calls us, we respond with obedience or we respond with excuses. And what excuses do we have in our life when God calls us to do certain things? Well, this week, we're going to talk about something with Samson. Um, And the big idea is this. God's faithfulness amongst our unfaithfulness is not a license to sin. I'll say it again. The big idea this week is God's faithfulness amongst our unfaithfulness is not a license to sin. So how many, how many times do we have to remind ourselves what God has given us? I mean, because the God of the universe has sent his son to die on the cross for our sins and to give us eternal life. He's always been faithful to us when we are not faithful to him. But yet, um, he is a loving God and a graceful God. And, and a lot of times we are setting our things, our eyes on things of this world and even on ourselves to where we are just distracted and we don't think we always need him and whatnot, but God is always faithful. So in light of that, we're talking about Samson. We, you've heard that a couple times this morning already. We're talking about him. We're talking about his story. And he is someone whose pride, his lust, his struggle with lust and, and his narcissistic ways um, were used by God to carry out God's plan and purpose. So if you guys could just turn to your Bibles, we're going to go to Hebrews eleven thirty-two through 34. It's in the New Testament. I forgot to look up what page number that is in the Swamp Bibles and the other Bibles that are out there. Um, but Hebrews eleven thirty-two through 34, we're going to read this passage. Um, here we go. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weaknesses were turned into strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to fight, to flight. So along with many others, Samson's weaknesses were used by God to turn into strength. And we're going to talk about his weaknesses today, because there's a lot of them when looking at Samson. Um, But God fulfilled his promise to Samson amidst his unfaithfulness to God. So let me pray, and then we're going to dive in. We're going to have a quick overview of Samson's life so you guys understand the context of his life and where we're going today. And then we're going to talk about a cool little, we're going to go through a little dialogue um, that might have gone about with when Samson's brothers went to go get him after he died. So let me pray. God, I just thank you so much for just a place that we can come to, to have community, a place that we can come to to worship you and celebrate you, a place that we can come to to just open your word freely without any, um, any persecution, without any execution, God, without anything that could get in the way, God. I just pray that this morning would be about you and that every seat in this room, God, every person would be open to your word this morning, God. As you speak through me, these are your words, not mine. Um, God, that your your truths and your promises would be heard and we would just be reminded again of your greatness and why you came here and the love that you have for us. So God, I just thank you for being faithful to us when we're not always faithful to you, God, and that we just be challenged by how you love us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, Samson, he was born dedicated to God as a Nazarite. And from the beginning of his life, he was sent to rescue Israel from the Philistines. The Philistines and, and Israel, they were always going at it in the Old Testament. And they were, they were their worst enemy. They were always just 
attacking each other and whatnot. So Samson was sent as a judge to rescue Israel from the Philistines. Um, And Samson took this vow because God had chosen him. God had chosen him and instructed him to take it. And he empowered him with this Nazarite covenant to do the things that God called him to do. And I just want to briefly talk about the covenant. I don't want to land on this um, and, and spend too much time on this. But in the Old Testament, I'm going to read this. Um, is a constant, the, old, the covenant in the Old Testament constituted a divine announcement of God's holy will to extend the benefits of his unmerited grace to those who were willing by faith to receive them and who by entering into a personal commitment to God bound themselves to him by ties of absolute obligation. The characteristic statement of this relationship occurs in the formula, I will be their God and they shall be my people. So this signifies that God unreservedly gives himself to his people and they in turn give themselves to him and belongs to him. So I I wanted to read that just to communicate that this covenant between God and Samson was a two-way street. But you're going to see as we dig into Samson's life, it was more of a one-way street where Samson was really not fulfilling his end of the, the covenant and the commitment to each other. Um, so in just a quick overview, if you want to study more about the, what the Nazarite covenant is all about, you can go to Numbers 6, chapter 6, and it talks more about what that looks like. But normally this covenant was more of a um, sabbatical, like a one- or two-year thing that they would commit to. Um, but for Samson, it was his whole entire life. Um, and so when you're on this covenant, you give up all alcoholic beverages, wine, anything that uh, was fermented, anything. And no vinegar made from wine, no grape juice or grapes or raisins, basically anything from the vine you stayed away from. And then the other thing, um, they can't cut their hair. Because if they cut their hair, it was a symbol of separation from God. So you can't cut their hair in which Samson was the source of his strength. And lastly, there was another thing here where they, they weren't allowed to go near a dead body, even if it was one of their own family members. Um, so I just wanted to briefly touch on that, because we'll be able to use that as kind of a key to how Samson was, became unfaithful as he lived his life. So let's talk about Samson a little bit. Samson was very prideful, and if there were mirrors back then, he would have one with him all the time, and he would just look at himself. And he probably brought out his stone tablet that he had back there before the, the Apple tablets and all, and all those things. And he probably had On Repeat, I'm the Man by Aloe Black. But actually, what I meant to tell you this morning is that he actually didn't write that song, Samson did. And Aloe Black found it and was reminded about it during his casual reading one Sunday morning um, as he was reading through Judges. But anyway, Samson had nice long hair. He was strong, good-looking, muscular. And I know what you're thinking. I'm not describing Don Hunter, who spoke last week, all right? Um, Even though he is very good looking, and I'm sure Erica, his wife, would agree. Anyway, he had this covenant with God, and that gave him great strength. And this strength got him out out of every situation that Samson put himself in. But so the thing is that Samson, not only was he good looking, not only was he strong, not only did he have this confidence— Everything always went his way, no matter what he did, no matter the screw-up, no matter the sin. Everything always seemed to go his way. And whenever he would get mad, like whenever he would just get really upset um, and go killing people and whatnot, God would use that and take his sinful indulgences and, and use that to fulfill God's plan in rescuing the Israelites from the Philistines. Um, but noting to say that God never supported the anger, but he used 
um, Samson's sin, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But basically, um, Samson was the first Hulk that ever lived, and we're going to talk about that. He, he literally was the Hulk. He literally got into a point where he um, would get so angry, he would do things like kill a lion with his bare hands. Um, and by the way, this story, if you want to reference some of these things, are, is in Judges 13 through 16. It has his whole life. And I'm not really going to um, talk about much in reference um, and read through Judges just because it is four chapters long. And I kind of just want to give you a 40,000-foot view before we go through this. But in chapter 14 of Judges, it starts to talk about some of the things that he did. So, like, he killed a lion with his bare hands. It just came up to him one day and it just attacked him. Um, he killed 30 men and stole their clothes. He captured, this is this really strange and weird, and it's like, wow, there's these type of stories in the Bible. But out of his anger and revenge to the Philistines one day, he went out and captured 300 foxes, tied their tails together, put a torch on each tail, and let the foxes run through the fields to burn the Philistines' wheat fields. That's crazy. I mean, who else has caught 300 foxes? I, don't, I, I've not, I barely have ever seen one in my life. Anyway... Um, he killed a thousand men with a donkey jawbone. Of all weapons to use, a donkey was just dead right there, and he grabbed the jawbone. Killed a thousand men. He took hold of the doors of a town uh, and these, these gates of this town, ripped them out with their posts, and carried them like a mile up this hill. That's just practical. That's how he's working on his shrugs or something. I don't know. Um, but he, uh, and he also brought down the temple um, of this Philistine temple, um, by pushing out two pillars, killing 3,000, about 3,000 Philistines. So, he was a Hulk. I mean, he, he was a strong dude. And, and the Philistines really did fear him. Um, but the one thing that he really struggled with was lust. And, and lust was the thing that mainly got him into situations where he had to be angry because he was responding to his own mistakes and, and he would end up getting himself in trouble and then he would get upset with himself, get upset with other people, even though he was the one who caused it. Then he would end up killing people and whatnot. So lust is the, one, is the, the main struggle that he had that really got him in trouble. Um, so, for instance, um, early on in his life, he was in the town, Philistine town called Timnah. And there's this girl, he's just walking, and just caught his eyes. like, hey, girl. Hey, you want to go out to the, where are you going tonight? Are you going out to the well? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll come out with you. We'll get some water together. Um, you know, he, he was very lustful and, and very, like, one-track mind. Because I'm the man. He's singing that, getting pump-up music going on. And, and, then, and then he also, um, in Judges 16, he starts out this chapter by going to another Philistine town and sleeping with a prostitute for the night. And then that's what ended up getting him in trouble because the Philistines saw him and he ends up running out of the town. He rips the gates out so he can leave and carries them to the other town. Um, he... Uh, along with Timnah and along with Delilah, they both were women that were pressured to entice Samson to get something out of him. With, with the girl from Timnah, it was a riddle, the answer to a riddle that these Philistine guys needed to get an answer from or else they would lose fine jewels and linen um, that the girl enticed him to get the answer from. So then she went and told him and told those guys and then those guys answered the riddle and then he lost. So that's what caused him to go kill those 30 men. And then with Delilah, Delilah, if you read into the story in, 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 in chapter 16 of Judges, um, Delilah tried three times at night when they're in bed together to try to entice him to figure out what 
made him so strong. And each night, he would just say, oh, just braid my hair, or, or this or that. And, and he would lie to her just to get her to stop asking so they could continue to pleasure themselves. Um, and, and so he used his lust to just get what he wanted until it finally got to a point where Delilah was like, come on, you're making fun of me, you're humiliating me, just tell me. And she constantly was nagging, constantly put pressuring him. And in order to get what he wanted, he just told her the answers so that they could continue doing whatever they were doing. Yes, the Bible talks about those things. They don't, it doesn't ignore it. Um, but his lust and his selfish desires are what got him in trouble. So then the Philistines would then come in, cut his hair off, and he didn't have his strength anymore. So after hearing this, it probably doesn't sound very much like Samson is really a hero, but someone who's just a one-man machine who did whatever the heck that he wanted, and, and God had to just continually clean up his messes. And as you read in, the, in, these, in these chapters, God was continually faithful to him as he continually let him down, as he was not faithful to God. But however, God's hand was in all of Samson's good and bad decisions, even when others did not see. So for example, Judges 14, 3-4, um, this is literally right after Samson desires this girl from Timnah. He goes and tells his parents, hey, go get, this, go get this girl for me. I want to marry her. And this is what his parents said. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites that you can marry? They asked. Why must you go to a pagan Philistine to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. His father and mother didn't realize that the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at the time. So God is faithful in his promise to Samson, even when Samson is not faithful to him. I'm going to say that like a broken record this morning. But my guess is that Samson was probably not hanging out in Timnah because he felt like God wanted him to be here. He was on the hunt. He found what he wanted, and he desired after her. And he even yelled at his parents, get her for me. She looks good to me. I want her. And, he, and here's his lustful desires. That desire of want is translated into a desire of, of, of sinful act and, and, and very much selfishness. He wanted her, and he wanted to marry her for the fact that she looked good. And, but, so his parents were probably like, what in the heck? You're, 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 you're sleep, you want to sleep with the enemy? You want to marry the enemy? And they had no idea why, but they didn't realize that God used his lustful desires of Samson to put Samson in position to then, in turn, um, help destroy the Philistines. So God probably did not plan for him to do that, but he, he used God, or he used Samson to do that. So, with all that to say, there's just a lot. There's just a lot of things, and, and where are we going to go with this? And so I kind of want to transition a little bit to a dialogue that John Piper wrote. So fast forward through to the end of Judges, of, of Samson's life, Judges 16. Um, Samson gets himself caught by Delilah, cuts the hair. He's in the jail house, and they gouge out his eyeballs. And then there's a big celebration because they caught the enemy. They caught this big, strong dude. And he gets to, they, get, they bring him up because they're having a celebration. All the Philistines are half drunk. And they bring him up into this, into the temple. And he asks his servant, hey, put me in between these two pillars so I can rest my arms. And, um, and at this point, and I'll touch on this a little bit, but basically at this point, 
He asked God one more time for strength to come back so that he can kill himself and all these Philistines as a revenge, tool of revenge for gouging out his eyes. And so then the whole, the whole temple collapses, temple falls and kills all 3,000 Philistines, which is more Philistines that he's ever killed in his entire lifetime in one act right here. And so at the end of six, the last two, chap, or last two verses of 16 is his brothers and relatives journeying to go capture or to go retrieve Samson's body. So this uh, dialogue is potentially what maybe um, is a fictional dialogue. It's not scripture. And I know that because it's not scripture, we're not going to hold too much weight to what this says, but it does help put a perspective on what maybe um, their brothers were thinking. Because here's this big, strong guy. Here's this big covenant. He has this covenant with God. Why would God let him die? Why is God being unfaithful to him? Or what's, what's the deal here? So this is something that might... Um, that they might have talked about. And he gives, and, and John Piper gives their brother's names, Nadir and Abijah. I think that's how you say it. Abijah, yeah. Sure, we'll go with that. So I'm going to put the words on the screen so you could follow along with me. Um, no, that's a little small, but that's okay. Um, hopefully you guys can read it and you can follow along and at least listen with me. Because there's a lot of good stuff in here and the things that they talk about. So let's read this and then we'll break it down a little bit. So here's the dialogue. They pick up, they're on their journey, they're on their way to go get Samson's body. Here we go. God gave him an amazing gift, but he let that gift go to his head. I think he saw it as God's personal endorsement of him. He assumed God would keep blessing him, even though one by one he broke every Nazarite vow. Looking back at Nadir, he said, God may be slow to anger, but it's a dangerous thing to mistake God's patience with sin for a license to sin. But why did God keep blessing him when Samson was faithless, asked Nadir. I wouldn't say that he was faithless, Abijah responded. You can exercise faith while being unfaithful. Samson knew his strength came from God. He believed the angel's prophecy and he believed that God would bless his gift of strength when Samson needed it. In that sense, every mighty act our brother ever did was by faith and God used him. So by unfaithful, you mean what? asked Nadir. I mean that Samson believed God would be faithful to his word, but Samson didn't believe he needed to be faithful to God's word. He trusted God to empower his gifting, but he didn't trust God to satisfy his appetites. So he disobeyed God and indulged in sin. He was already blind when the Philistines finally got to him. So there's a lot there, and it's kind of like, I, I had to read it multiple times to get it, so I know I'm kind of more out of advantage for you. So we're going to break it down a little bit and talk about some of those things that they said. And you, you can go ahead and clear that. Um, Samson had mistaken God's covenant in favor that he had in his life as a personal endorsement to just do whatever he wanted. He thought that this favor was a, a, just a, a, a baton to carry around and do whatever he wanted. Um, and it's a dangerous thing to mistake God's patience with the sin, with sin for a license of sin. I think oftentimes we might struggle with sin and continue to do it and never see any consequences immediately and think, okay, this is not bad, so we'll just continue to do it. It's a very dangerous thing. Samson had faith in God but remained unfaithful. He knew the gift of strength that he had came from God, but in every act Samson did was out of an act of the faith that God used. I mean, so he had that faith. He knew that, I, he, knew that he had that strength. He knew that he was going to be able to rip that lion's mouth out. He knew he was going to be able to, to kill those people with that jawbone. He had that faith in God, but he was unfaithful in the way that he lived. 
And the problem was he took advantage of it, basically. He had faith that God would be faithful to his word, but he didn't believe and necessarily feel the urgency or the need, the desire, the value to be faithful to God. So that we're talking about that covenant, that two-way street. God, he knew that God was going to be faithful to him, but he didn't feel a desire in the way that he lived his everyday life and the decisions that he made and the sin that he struggled with. He did not believe that he needed to live faithfully to get back to God in the way that he lived. So, he, in other words, he entrusted God to empower his gifting, but he didn't trust God to satisfy his appetite. So that's a big thing. He trusted God to empower his gifting. He knew that he had that covenant. He knew that he had that strength, but he didn't trust God to satisfy all other areas of his life. So yes, he was called to, to rescue the Philistines, and he was called and he had this tool and this strength to go rescue the Philistines, and so he knew that that was his purpose and what he was called to do. But maybe he thought that that was the only thing that God was going to supply him in his life. He had this great talent and this great gift. And so he decided to fulfill his other areas of his life on his own. So again, he took advantage of God's patience. And I like to, when, I, when I'm thinking about these things, um, I like to kind of, I try to think of, different phrases that kind of rhyme that might not make sense, but you remember them because they're like, what in the heck did he just say? Let me say one of those for you. He, he let God's favor produce his own flavor. What does that mean? What in the world? He let God's flavor or favor produce his own flavor. And when you think about a flavor, I immediately think of Kool-Aid. You know, like when you're growing up, you have those packets of Kool-Aid and they have the different flavors and whatnot. Those things were the bomb. You had different flavors and, and I remember my mom was like, what kind of flavor do you want today? And I was like, I want the orange one. Um, and so, you know, you have, you have a flavor. You have something that you like. And, and over time, I think when we live our lives, we, co- we have our own way of doing things and we have our own likings. And, our, and especially in today's world where everything's custom to ourselves, we have our own desires, our own likings, our own flavor, if you will. God let, he let God's favor in his life produce his own flavor. So because of that, he indulged himself in sin, and he became really into himself. He became really into himself, and he pleasured himself with women thinking he could have whatever he wanted. But all the while, the result of his sinful indulgement led him to his Hulk moments, but God used those moments to kill the Philistines and continue to carry out God's perfect plan. So with all this, um, what talent and or spiritual gift that God has, what are some of the talents and God's spiritual gifts that God has given you? Have you ever let the success of that gift or the affirmation of others saying that you're doing a good job with whatever that is get to your head? Maybe, Maybe it was or is still sports. Maybe it was sports in high school. Maybe it was the identity in college that you had, the sports that this got to your head. Maybe it has been the success of your business or your job. Things are just going really, really well and you think that you're unstoppable because everything's going good. Is that getting to your head? Maybe it's your outward appearance. Maybe you value your outward appearance so much in, in, in how other people compliment your outward appearance that fuels you, that distracts you, that gives you a big head. Maybe it's the fact that you're a good communicator. Maybe just the way that you use your words you take pride in and it gives you a big head. Or maybe it's the calling God has placed in your life that has affirmed God's faithfulness in your life that has allowed you to ease up in your pursuit to God. 
In other words, maybe God's constant favor in your life has made you less faithful to God. Not that that's his intent to give you favor because you're being, he wants you to become less faithful, but maybe that's how you have responded. Samson was blinded by his own flavor, by his own sinful appetite, before he was literally blinded by the Philistines. He was already blind. Like he, he, he might as well not have eyeballs because the life that he was living was, was just so self-centered. He had the mirror right in front of his face. And so it got to the point where he was in between these two pillars and he, he realized he didn't have any more strength because he was continually living in his own way with the pursuit or with the covenant that God had given him to where he cried out, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. So even though it was his own fault that he lost his two eyeballs, he, he, uh, he's still asking God, just, just give me strength just, just one more time. Just one more time. Give me the strength that I need. Just one more time. Get me out of this. So another question I have for you guys is, how many times do you wait until you cannot see? How many times do you wait until you're already trapped by whatever you're struggling with? You're trapped by the enemy to where you shout out to God, help, I need your strength. Because the way that I have been living up into this point, I know that I've been unfaithful to you, and I know that I should have been doing this, but I haven't been, and now I just really need you. And I think for some of us, that's just a constant cycle. We need God when we're in that moment where the enemy has surrounded us, when we cannot see, and we need the strength to get us out of that situation. So are you holding yourself along with the talents and gifts that God has given you more highly than God himself? So I would assume that when his brothers got to that temple and it was all, just imagine this temple just completely destroyed and they probably had to push boulders around and everything like that to, to find him. He was probably at the bottom. He was, the two pillars that he pushed out were the two supporting pillars that were holding up this whole temple. So of course, if he's going to push them out with his strength, he's obviously going to be in the center of it all. It's all going to come down right on him. So just imagine that picture of the shattered temple where Samson's body lay, to be a picture where a gift from God can lead if we are unfaithful to him. I think that's a crazy sobering picture. I think that we can let Samson's faith soberly remind us that our gifts and talents are not God's endorsement for us, but faithful obedience is better than impressive giftedness. Faithful obedience is better than impressive giftedness in that faith must work through love. So yeah, he had faith that he was going to have that strength. He had faith that he was going to be able to have, to get out of those situations. But was he really loving God through that faith and really loving God through that obedience in the way that he chose to live? And what I think is that Samson didn't really treasure God enough to remain faithful to him. He treasured God for what he could get out of him. And I think that we need to treasure God enough to love him. And not just love him, but love him obediently. So when he does call us to do things, calling us as ordinary people to do great things for his kingdom, to not have excuses, to not let our weaknesses get in the way, and the things that we've talked about in the past. And most importantly, not, our, not let our sin, um, not let God's faithfulness be a license for us to sin. And another thing that I love to see in the story of Samson 
is that even though Samson was unfaithful, it didn't get in the way of God's plan. God used Samson in accordance to God's plan, and he's going to carry out his plan. He's going to carry out his plan through each and every one of you, no matter how many times we let him down. God is going to use us. God will continue to be faithful to us. And I'll say it again. God's faithfulness amongst our unfaithfulness is not a license to sin. And as the band comes up and gets ready to sing, we're going to sing some songs together. Um, I just want us to just sit and think about what maybe in our life do we need to get to let go of so that we can be more faithful to God. Because I think here's another interesting point. Even though God continues to work when we are faithless and sinful, we ultimately are the ones that miss out. We miss out on his joy. We miss out on his blessing. We miss out on, his, on a deeper relationship with God. Because we ultimately, when we're, when we're being faithful to him as he's being faithful to us, when we love him as he lo- first loved us, we're going to experience greater joy and greater blessing when we practice faithfulness to God, when we wake up every single day, we remind ourselves of why we're here. We remind ourselves what Jesus did for us and the pain that he did for us and he went through for us. And we're like, we should be doing nothing more than giving all of ourselves to God. And yes, we have our sinful desires. Yes, we are going to sin. But the reality is, God just desires to to be with us. God wants us to love him because he first loved us. And he has so perfectly demonstrated that through his son, and, and there's nothing else that compares. There's nothing so good that you think that you could do with your amazing talent that you have to be able to say, I'm better, or to be able to say, I'm in control, because God will humble you. I can't tell you the amount of times where I've been up here on stage leading worship over the years thinking that I'm the man. And the next thing you know, my voice cracks, I forget the words, my guitar breaks down, or something crazy happens where I'm sat down in my seat so fast. It's about him. And these guys can attest for it. It's the story of my life. <laughs> um, but God is a constant, God constantly reminds us of who is in control and how faithful he is in the midst of our unfaithfulness. So let me ask you one more time. What in your life do you need to let go of so that you can be more faithful to God? We're going to stand as a church and we're going to sing songs to him and um, we're going to be singing a song about how Christ is enough for us. And I think that in order to be faithful to him, we have to realize that Christ is enough. We have to realize that you know, whatever I might be struggling with over here or whatever I might be filling in the gap over here so that I can be feeling better about myself or to maybe numb the pain of what I'm experiencing, when realize Christ is all I need. And I know we say that and we say that and we drill that and we drill that and, we, and it's something that you might have heard your whole entire life. But have you lived it? Have you shown God what it means to be faithful to him? Because he's never going to let you down. He's never going to leave you. He's all in. But are you? And what is getting in the way of that? So I want you to think about that as we sing, as we celebrate God. And I'm going to be, over, I'm going to be around the room, so if you want to talk more about that, you want to talk more about who Jesus is, you want to even maybe talk about having a relationship with him and what that looks like more, 
I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. I want to help you. Or if you just want to maybe confess or talk about, hey, this thing in my life, you know, I've been living this way, and I know that I've been unfaithful to God, but I just can't get out of this cycle, and this is, what I, this is where I found my confidence, and I realized this confidence over here of maybe what my appearance looks like or maybe my job is giving me more happiness than my relationship with Christ because, you know, I, I, I've just been let down or, or I feel like God hasn't been there for me. Um, come talk to me. I would love to talk to you about that, pray with you about that, so that we can, as a church, not just be here in this building, but that we can be the church that God called us to be and that we can be an impact, we can be um, not just a church that's in this building, but that we can be impactful in this city and in this nation, and that the gospel would be heard above all else in the way that we live our lives and the way that we're faithful to him. So let me pray. God, I just thank you so much for just your faithfulness, God. You, um, in the way that you love us is just an amazing thing, God, and I just pray that right here, right now, we would just be reminded of that. And whatever is in the way of our faithfulness to you, God, that we would just let that go. And that we would let you be the, the, the light of our lives. And whatever sin we, may strugg- we might be struggling with right now, God, that we would just allow you to cleanse us, allow you to just take that weight off of us, God, so that we can set our minds on things of you not of the things of this world, not looking in the mirror, but that we would be able to see you more and that daily we would live out our relationship with you. And that most importantly, we would just desire that and know that you are enough. So God, I just thank you for loving us and thank you for how you have laid down your son's life for us. Now we would be reminded of that even right now. So God, I just pray that we would be able to just celebrate you, sing to you. And carry out this relationship that is, has the highest redeeming value of all relationships. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you guys stand with us?